Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hola! Bonjour! Ni hao! Moi! Privet! Uh, halan! Bula! G'day! Welcome to the Normal, Not Normal podcast with myself, James Phelps. And me, Oliver Phelps. And guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We have actually got, I suppose, a very special type of episode for you because we actually were able to sit down with our guest today, Nat Tenner, in a socially distanced environment, obviously, like that all protocols were followed, but actually in the same room, which was absolutely lovely to be able to do that and have a really, really good catch up. That's right. So our guest today, like I've said, is Nat Tenner. Now, most of you will know her as Tonks from Harry Potter. That's where we first met her. But since then, she's been in so many huge, huge classic series of other things. I've lost count. She has been, exactly. But anyway, so before we get on to everything one that's been getting up to, let me just explain how this podcast works. Basically, James and myself are trying to explore what normal really means. And you know what? If it actually means anything and if it actually even exists. But anyway, getting on to our guest today, Nat Tenner. So her big break came when she got the part of Ellie in the film About a Boy uh, with Nicholas Holt and Hugh Grant. And then after Harry Potter, she played Osha in Game of Thrones. And more recently, she became this, I don't even know how you would even describe her character, a big purple alien in the Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. But also as well, one thing is that we've known Nat for a long, long time is what a brilliant singer she is, and especially in her band Molotov Jukebox, which is like gypsy-esque funk ska band. Yeah, they're, they're a bit like Gogo Bedello or something like that, I would say. Really good fun, really great band to see. Uh, she's everywhere, but we know her as Nat, someone who's very funny, someone we've we've been very lucky to travel most of the world with her in some way, shape or form. And obviously that person that uh, takes things home from premiere parties. More will be explained later in this episode. Yeah, we've, well, we've all done that to some point of view. Maybe to not degree, to the extent. To maybe not to this extent. But anyway, more will be revealed later on today. So what have you been up to this week then, Oliver? Well, have you ever tried to rotate a shed 90 degrees? What, like that way or that way? Well, obviously not that way, like... So it's facing this way now. This is really good audio, by the way. So it's basically facing, if you imagine it's facing east, I want it to face south. So I have to turn it that way. And it turns out it is a right to do. Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't doing it on my own, obviously. I had some help. But even so, very, very frustrating. But anyway, needless to say, perseverance won the day. And it's all looking, all looking mighty fine right now. Very good. 
mean, as excitement goes in the week, that's pretty poor, isn't it? What did you do? I had to rotate a shed. Yeah, I'd say that's poor. Um, yeah. I, I, so the last last week or so, I've luckily it's been getting a bit warmer, so I've been able to get back on my bike outside, which has been fantastic because riding in the shed, let's say, isn't as fun as being in the great outdoors. So being able to ride with birds around you, animals around you, all this kind of stuff, I love it. So that's definitely been the highlight. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Speaking of birds, you know how you were yeah. talking um, in our listener participation week about your owl thing? Yes. And can you remember me saying that I've ordered two? Yes. Well, they arrived today. And we'll do like an unpacking if you want. Look, they're not even... They're bigger than I thought. Look, he spins around, this owl. Ooh. It's like a bubble head as well. I guarantee that will not work. Well, apparently it does. I mean, he's quite big. I wouldn't go in that garden, would you? So for those of you, for the purpose of audio listening, I have ordered two fake hollow plastic owls for my back garden to distract basically pigeons coming in and pooing all over the place. Let's put it that way. That's in a nutshell. That's kind of the whole reason I want them there. But yeah, so I've, I've got this thing, which is on the on our listener participation week that we did. James was showing us his owl alert, his owl alert. <laughs> um, so I, I said to him at the time, oh, I've actually ordered something like that. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to call this owl. So if there's any ideas what we could name said owl for the garden, um, that would be great. If anyone says Hedwig. Please reassess your options and put a new one in. And maybe if it's something from a foreign language. So when I say foreign language, I mean foreign language to English. That would be wunderbar. What do you think? I think you've invested in crap. I think I'm quite, I am actually quite happy with this. We will, I will let you know if it works more than anything. But yeah, he's, if you can hear him shaking, it's, I think that's going to look quite good. Right, well, thank you for that, Oliver. So like we said earlier, we went to London to meet up with Nat to record this episode because Nat actually lives on a boat. Very, very fancy, very trendy, very cool, I think would be the best way to describe it. She gets to experience all over London. We got this place in London to do this interview and we made sure, like Oliver said, it was all social distance. So it was a bit weird meeting up with someone to start with because we haven't done that in quite a long time. And even when it was, it was like you still have to stand two metres apart and wave hello. But it was great just to sit down, chat, and like with other people that we've spoken to that we've known for many years, we start speaking about things which we've never done before. So that was really fascinating. Also, Nat brought along her dog, Mimosa. And I think we should definitely make it a thing if we're ever doing a live show, let's put it like that, you have to bring along your dog if you have one. I think that's very important. Or plastic owl, if you don't. Or plastic owl, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, with all that being said, please welcome Mimosa and Nat. Well, Nat, thank you so much for joining us on technically our first live one-on-one or two-on-one oh, interview. First. Normally, it's all it's all done like. Okay, on, uh, I feel online, very privileged. So. Yes. Can we make a thing as well that you have to bring your dog? Yep. I think this is the thing. So this is Mimosa, everybody. (laughs) So we thought we'd like explain really. So basically the the whole reason what we've uh, started to establish on on our podcast right now is like what is normal. The thing is, I find, especially with COVID, but even especially just being someone self-employed, 
that's the one, I mean, sometimes terrifying thing uh, and also um, exhilarating thing is that it's, it's always changing. Yeah. Always. I mean, you know, some Sundays you're very, very far away from friends and family. Some days we're, we're all at a convention together. Yeah. Um, some days I'm looking up, you know, hanging out with my God children. So have you always wanted to perform like acting and, no. and that kind of stuff? No, or, no, no. no that, that none was... of your family do it, do they? It's... I mean, they're all, everyone in my family on my mum's side can sing really well and play okay. stuff, some stuff. But I mean, it was... It was after, you know, Fra- Franco was still in power. I mean, the idea of someone, you know, from from very, very poor family becoming an artist was like, you're absolutely not doing yeah. that. Um, so that became, you know, that's something that I was lucky enough because they came here and, you know, I had a more privileged upbringing than they did. So it's like, oh, I could do that. But it wasn't something that I kind of fell into it completely. I was very lucky with About Boy. I got cast at school because I was smoking. And I was in that weekend, busted, and my drama teacher saw me coming out of a bush, and he really liked me. Almior, thank you, you've literally changed my life. And he said, "No, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bust you, but can you go into this room?" And I walked in, and there was a casting director I now know, and she was there with like all these little boys, and I was like, "I am not babysitting. Are you joking?" Yeah. <laughs> and she gave me a script and said, "Sit down and, and say stuff," and I did, and I, I was like, "Wow, I got off so lightly from that punishment." And um, that was my first audition. <laughs> got it. Wow. But yeah, I, I, even though then I got an agent, I still was like, nah, this is not real. I mean, I'm not going to get paid. And also, you know, I was chubby. I had dreads. I had lice. I was like, this is not, you know, acting's for like pretty people. Yeah. Um, and I got a scholarship uh, to go away at 18 to study. And I fell in love and I didn't go. And at the time I was busking on the tube. I had no money. And I had an agent. And I, I, what I wanted to do was go to Australia and, and, and learn to become a psychologist or a sex therapist or something yeah. you know, in that vein. Yeah. And then that week when I said no to go into Australia, because their term starts in February, it was an awful month. And every, no one gives buskers money in February. If you're listening, you know, in these cold months, please give buskers money. Because <laughs> around Christmas, everyone's <laughs> lovely. They're like, woo! Um, but February was very grim and I got my first uh, play. And that's when I suddenly fell in love with this job. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. So after after you were in so after about a boy, did you get recognised in the street? No, 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 no. I didn't get any of that, and and I remember at the time. Ugh, I mean, this is how little I wanted to be. It's not. I didn't not want. I loved doing theatre at school. I just didn't think it was a real profession for someone like me that looked like me to do film. And I remember my agent kept putting me up for jobs. Like from sixteen to eighteen, she kept putting me up for stuff. And I was like, no, unless it's a lead role in a film. I can't believe I said this stuff. I'm not taking it because my education is more important. And I was convinced that I, that was not going to be my route. Right. Yeah. It's oh, weird brilliant. life. That, yeah, but that shows how strong you are in knowledge about that. Because for me, I would have been put me up for anything and I would be there. <laughs> I would yeah. burn down the school to yeah, get there. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's also, you know, just coming from parents that were immigrants and just seeing how hard, I was like, I've got, I can't do that. You know, there was, obviously I could do music and I, I did and I was at a school that was quite artistic. But it, for me, it was just like, that's such a precarious life. Yeah. Did you, did you have that thing as well? Like you mentioned how um, like Franco was still in in power then so was that also yeah <laughs> a little a little a little history lesson for everyone here franco was a dictator who over uh, basically overall spain for yeah. a long time a long time till 76 a nice man not a nice, <laughs> at all they finally started taking down his statues which is like that was long overdue yeah yeah but with that with that influence like obviously as you say like how the arts and stuff like that were very much under the carpet like yeah. out of the way was that more of a thing where they were your parents were more accepting of you busking and stuff like that oh yeah no my mum like loved that and in fact I think I've got my mum to thank for this when I was like I think when I was about two that's when my mum realized I I could sing and I could I could listen I just had an ear so like 
I think when I was like three, it was like, bring your kid to Christmas party. She worked in United Nations and everyone brought their kids in. And she taught me all these Spanish Christmas songs. And she put me in this little dress and she was like, go bus, go sing to everyone and get money. So I was like, like she did the first one. We knocked on this door and it's like, campana, so just me singing. Like this person. And then she was like, now get in the lift and go to all the all the floors, I'll be here, you know, having fun with my mates. And I just remember knocking all these people's doors, like, who is this little girl singing me in Spanish? <laughs> How did you get in? <laughs> I just kept here, like, uh... But yeah, at the end of that, my mum, like, I remember her vividly, like, I had all these coins. <laughs> my pockets are full of coins. She was like, you are so lucky. You, you have just earned money doing something you love. Do you know how how lucky that is. And then I remember her like saying, so, so some of this is for charity and the rest is you. And Brilliant. her teaching me that kind of thing that it's, it's, it is a privilege to do. I suppose it's that. especially seeing it physically. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know I mean? like, like, physically oh, seeing the coins and stuff like gold. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you ever find that even to this day, if you're working, mm. I always find it a bit, I'm slightly guilty if someone says, like if I say, oh, I've got to go to work today if I'm acting. Yeah. I always think I want to make sure that they know that I'm happy about that because a lot of people say, oh, I've got to go to work today. Yeah. It's a, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas like, we're like, no, I really want I to go to wait, work today. I can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Give me more lines. Let me say more things. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And especially now, just, you know, after COVID, I've just started my first job after COVID. It's called Wolf and it's on Sky and I'm having so much fun. And when we did the read through in December, it was amazing because... I th- weirdly, a lot of the crew have managed to work through COVID, which is, you know, well done, all of them. Yeah. But I, none of the actors, like all of us were like, have you worked? No. And the joy, it's like an extra level of joy that we're all feeling. Because we're at the moment filming a lot of the times outside in Manchester. It is cold. It's a beautiful city, but it is cold and rainy. And it's like, you don't hear a word of complaint from anyone. Yeah. Everyone's just so happy to have a job at the moment. I guess we'll go back to where we yes, met. Sorry. Um, where did we meet? I guess it would be the start of... Yeah, the fifth Harry Potter. Yeah. But you were getting your hair dyed purple or having purple bits yes, put in. Yes, yeah, yeah, So yeah. the first time I met you was actually in the hair and makeup room because I was with Jenny who would dye my hair ginger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, Nat, uh, this is Nat, and that's the first time I remember meeting you. Wow. Was it purple? Did you... Because I remember I went in for a lot of makeup tests. Was it before we started filming? Because they were not sure about what Tonks was meant to look like. So I went through a whole, oh, did you? Like, like every color of the rainbow, different wigs, different everything. They were, they were unsure. And they, initially they wanted me pink with like kind of a short punky hair. But Umbridge was pink. So I had to get yeah, given a different yeah, color. You know, that, yeah. there was a whole. I'm assuming it was just before because we would. It would be the test. Yeah. In between four and five, we had our hair cut off <laughs> like, oh, did- allowed the natural one to grow through instead of bleaching it for solid 10 years so that would have been it was the first time i'd gone back to being ginger right so yeah it would have been pre-shooting yeah, yeah pre-shoot so but yeah that was a even just speaking I mean, about that now i can smell hair dye yeah <laughs> funny enough i'm getting my hair dyed <laughs> after this okay i've got hair on. it's yeah it's pretty brutal isn't it it's amazing our hair survives because i've i always have my hair changed for so many things and yeah. it's like is it going to fall off at some point? You know. Just keep risking it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was what, 15 years ago? <sighs> yeah. Put, yeah, 14, 15. So mm. people, yeah, what? Gosh, yeah. yeah crazy. <laughs> time crazy. happens. Yeah, exactly. Time <laughs> happens. Yeah, who else feels old listening? Um, but yeah, so I mean, in terms of like actual memories from when we were filming, what was it like coming in to the films? Had you seen them like before no, you even got No, I hadn't it? seen them. And I'm amazed I got the job, frankly. I was doing a play at the time and I... I was actually quite annoyed that my agent had got me this audi- an audition at all because I was in Ipswich and I was like, I, I don't understand. I've got, to get on a, I've got to get on a train 
do the audition and come back before half. And I'm quite neurotic about, I have like a system before I go on stage, like mm. getting into the thing. And it's like, I can't, ah, ah. And I did it and I, I walked in, I was, I, I was rushing, I'd cycle from the station. And I walked in, I just, I smashed into a chair and it fell over and I, <clears throat> I was like a mess and like sweating, it was hot. And I was like, hi, um, I don't know anything about this woman. Uh, apparently she changed her hair color a lot. And I was like, I, that was me, I've done that a lot. And I kind of went into an in-depth story at this audition about when my first boyfriend had dumped me, I went into a hairdresser and asked him to t turn my hair into a funeral. And that was my only kind of note to this hairdresser. Were they sitting there with a script like? And they were like, I was like, okay. I came out like looking like like a kind of really depressed Natalie Portman from like Leon. Black, just black, like I hate my life and my heart is broken. Black cloud falling yeah, around. Yeah. So I told them some stuff about that. And, and I think the director's like, David was like, mm, okay, okay. Uh, and I did it and it was a terrible audition because I'd never read any of the books. Mm. I thought it was just completely just a kid's show. And yeah. um, I thought Voldemort was a country and he was meant to, I, was just, I didn't understand the contents of anything I was saying. And I left and I, I rang my agent. I was like, that was the worst audition I've ever done. And she's like, you always say that. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I promise you this, this, is, this was bad. And yeah, yeah, she rang me like two hours later and was like, it was terrible, but for some reason he wants to see you again. And I was like, okay. And then I read all the books. I had like a week yeah. and I read all, and I was like, this is amazing. And I suddenly got it. And I, he, he had so much faith that I could potentially be this person that he rang me and he was like, I'm gonna give you a three hour audition slot. See if we can get oh, wow. this right. And I was like, okay, that's never, that's never, that had never happened to me before or since. Yeah, as good signs go. That was like, okay. And I walked in, I think because I suddenly got the context, I read it once and he was like, that's it, film it, film it, film it. And we filmed it and that was, it. I only did it like maybe twice. So was, yeah, context is really everything. <laughs> no, fantastic, that's great. Cause I remember at the end of the last premiere, I remember seeing you walking down the embankment with a pig. So there, there, yeah. <laughs> there, was, a, there was a hog roast. And I just remember sitting like, they'd like, okay, thanks everyone, have a nice evening. <laughs> Off you go. And we were all leaving, like there were cars picking people up. And I just remember you seeing you walking down the, down, listen, down, down yeah. the riverside, down the Thames side, with a hog <laughs> roast. The whole of a traveller with their little <laughs> satchel on the back. But the worst is that the, 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 like, the, the, the liner they gave it to me was clear, so I looked yeah. properly. Crazy! I looked like oh, don't go to that woman. Like, yeah. and I'd, I had my, I was wearing my accordion because I'd made friends with all the staff because we were there for sound check because uh, Molotov jukebox oh, played, you rap played that, party. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, I didn't see the film that night, and I, I made friends with all the staff. And at the end, when everyone was going, I was like, "Who's eating that hog?" They were like, "You, you know, you have it." And I was, I did that, and then I was like, "All oh, this champagne? Can I have some?" So my accordion case was full of like bottles of champagne. I was wearing my accordion. I was holding a pig. I was like, "This is not." Oh, so glad no one took a picture of that. <laughs> I mean, going on to like when we were talking about the promotional stuff, because we've been in Paris and yeah. Valencia together. Where else? He likes to he likes well, to try and pronounce it correctly as well. Yeah, Valencia. Well. And is, like, is, where else did, did you manage to go anywhere else with the films as well? Uh, New York. We went to New York, didn't we? Were you there? Yes, we did. Yes. That was the first time I'd ever ever gone to New York, and my wonderful on-screen husband David Thulis, he kind of adopted me because I was like, I don't know what's going on. I was really jet lagged, and. Um, and I'd never been to New York, and he's like, we're just gonna walk. And me and him, we walked everywhere, and at the time I was sort of smoking, I was like, ah, just getting so angry that I couldn't smoke, and he was like, don't worry, there's a cigar bar here where you can smoke in. So me and him just ended up walking the city for hours and ended up at the cigar bar that I could smoke my straights. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wicked trip. I yeah. completely forgot about that one. That was great. We had, some, we had so much food. I mean, I just remember eating a lot of food and drinking a lot as well. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember to a point. I remember to a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it went like that. Anyway, anyway so after, after, after Potter, you played Osha yes. in Game of Thrones. and That's the, yeah, the, the next better known one, definitely. Yeah, so going from, I mean, because going into that as well, like such a massive project, did being in Potter prepare you for that fandom as well? Yes, I would definitely say that. But um, I think I'm, I'm quite lucky because in both of these jobs, I don't really get recognised much. So I think I've kind of avoided that whole, you know, maybe your life, oh, I don't know, that, that invasiveness that can happen. Yeah. I've never really had that. The, in Game of Thrones, though, interestingly, after season, uh, season three, when I'm in it quite a lot, I started only getting recognised, like, on a Sunday, hungover in winter when I was wearing, like, my weird vintage fur coat. And I had a look, and that's when people would be like, you know, I'd be going to get a Bloody Mary to, like, stop the pain. And someone would be like, oh, my God, you're that. And I was like, oh, Wow. Wow, I look not like today, not a today. wildling in this box. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. So that's the only time I've kind of felt it. But yeah, Harry Potter did prepare me, definitely. Although with Game of Thrones, we didn't know it was going to be a big thing. I was there from the beginning, so... Yeah. That's right, because I remember you talking about you were going to... Was it Northern Ireland you were filming? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah Belfast. I remember you saying you were going there. Was it whilst we were filming The Last Potter, or...? Maybe it might have been, you know, maybe there was a bit of a crossover. an overlap, but... Yeah. I remember you talking about it. And then... Or maybe it's like I just, I, I just got the job and I was going, I'm going to go to this place. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a great um, quote that we came across by um, J.R. Martin who said about you, after meeting you, that he wished that he wrote more of your character <laughs> oh. into Game of Thrones. Oh, like, he... I suppose his compliments go. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty that's big. Kind of, that's, that's... Yeah, he's lovely. I had a good time with him um, at the rap party in LA. I think there was a big one at, at season three and I got to hang out with him a lot and his missus. It was a great night. Right, he's yeah. a lovely dude. Very good. Brilliant. And then, so, last year, yes. Disney Plus, I'm watching The Mandalorian. <gasps> I was like, oh, yeah. I know that purple thing, but I could not put where. Or who? And I, it was driving me mad. And then eventually the penny dropped that yeah. it was you. Ache, well done on that one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Loved long, playing how, a tentacled uh, purple alien. It was how, great. How long did that take to go in, like to, to for all that? Ma the, oh, the makeup stuff. unit. Yeah. Okay. So interestingly, uh, I did a series in LA called Wisdom of the Crowd, and that natural makeup that I wear for that, the hair and the makeup for that was an hour and fifty, and this uh, alien tentacle lady. Uh, took an hour and a half. So actually, Gosh. looking LA pretty <laughs> and like right <laughs> takes longer than being an alien. Wow. Turns out. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was great. I really liked the guy in the chair and it, it was really fun just watching that transformation. I, lo I loved my tentacles. They were Velcro though. And at the beginning, I was like, I just want to wear them all the time. And after the, at the end of the day, I was like, oh my God, my neck. <laughs> so heavy. <laughs> Well, and so like you're talking about going for the audition with Tonks in terms of context. Yeah. What, what kind of context do you have to play a tentacled lady? When I went into that, I feel like the director guided us a lot and it was just, it felt like more like it was a jailbreak, you know, situation. So I kind of went with that. And, and I don't know, for me, I felt like immediately because it said she had this knife thing, like she's quite a physical kind of being. And that I always find physicality helps finding a way for me into a character. Because I worked with this theatre company called Shared Experience, who were amazing. They were the ones that I got the job uh, when I was about to go off to Australia, and I, you know, I got that one. And it was kind of like going to drama school, where they believe that you can find a lot in a character with just just physicality. So you start finding out like, how does my character, wh why are they doing this, or shadow moves, like maybe you know, a character always it scratches their knee when they're nervous, and that can inform who the person is. Yeah. 
strangely. <laughs> yeah, I was about, I was going to say about your method. Um, I'm always intrigued by other. Again, we never talk about this kind of stuff, do we? Yeah, so no, we I'm don't always, ever. When we so probably... would you mind if I get? <laughs> I mean, I've had hours and hours <laughs> to speak about this kind of stuff. But what's your method when it comes to a new character or? a new job and does that differ from if you're doing stage or TV or film like is there a difference yeah, in how you I go think, about everything I think there is I think still because of that physicality background I try and find something physical always and I, that's how I and actually I get if you get an accent that also is very helpful yeah because you immediately are transformed in the way you speak and it's like oh okay wow who's this person yeah, I even changed how you're, you hold yeah, your face and your, yeah the, the muscles you're using Sometimes with theatre, I find I can... This actually has happened every single time I've done theatre. I really don't think I've got it. And I'm, I'm, I, it gets to, like, the tech week, which is, like... In fact, I, I, did, I was at Don Moore in 2019, and I hadn't done theatre in 10 years because with the band and filming, it just, it's one extra thing I couldn't do. And I remember going to tech week, and that Friday before we went on Monday, I looked up flights to Columbia. I was like, I'm just going to run away. I was so terrified. And it's a fear that you, it's very different to film. You kind of don't see it the night before when you film, but theatre is like a whole other, like, I, like a black hole of fear. And then you go into Tech Week and it was fine. And the reason it always becomes fine is because costume comes in. Yeah. And, and you do the tech rehearsal and costume. You're like, oh, yes. Yes, this is who I am. And it's, so costume is, is fundamental, I think, especially in theatre for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I always say how, a director that I did my first ever stage show with, and I was bricking it. Yes. Like I, I, again, because if it's not like it, if you mess up on film, can't go again. Yeah. If you mess up on stage, you've got to figure your way out of it without yeah. anyone realizing. And if you blank like that is, yeah. When it feels like an hour has gone by and you're like, oh, God, I, and then you you're panicking for the rest of the show. It's yeah. Well, I did. Yeah. I, I did one a couple of years ago, and there was a, the girl who I was doing the scene with. Literally had a coughing fit during the scene. <gasps> And it was it was actually quite funny because she was she was meant to tell me how like I'm missing my dad I can't and she was like <coughs> my dad. I was what you're missing your dad how can I get around this but yeah so um, the director Adam, Adam he told me before this the first show that I ever did he was saying when you look at the audience just remember no one wants you to suck they want you to be no the best thing fail. they've yeah. ever seen in your life in their mm-hmm. life so take that with you into everything which I have done literally everything I've done since. But it still doesn't change the first night, especially when there's a different... So the one show I did was based around a, football, a true story about a football team uh, in the First World War. So you had, oh, wow. like, so you had history people, theatre-going yeah. people, and football fans. And the well, one... Fans were the one going, three of them. Well, football fans were the ones singing at the other side of the room. It was, <laughs> it was a really bizarre crowd, but I really enjoyed it because I'm a football fan, I'm a history fan, mm. and I'm... I like to be on stage, so it, was, <laughs> it worked out well. But the, I remember the, one, of the, one night there was these two skinheads in front row. Wow. And they literally, like, you could just see, like, you, as, you know, and you're waiting behind the wings before it comes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And out the corner of my eye, I could see these guys in the front, front row. And so where I had to go in first to deliver my line, I went to the front of the stage. And then you just hear, all right, and, and you, they're opening their beers. <laughs> Okay. And like oh. you're you're doing, but like you're you kind of have an out of body experience, don't you? At yeah. times when when you're performing to an audience. Yeah. And so anyway, I can see these guys on the front row, and then another guy walks forward, and he's supposed to be announcing to the supporters club to, to start the story. Uh, it's based in now Lake Norrient Football Club. So he walks forward, and he's like, "Good evening, everyone." He's playing. All right, mate. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, he thought you could. Well, you can see that you can then see all the theatre goers being like, oh, oh dear, oh no. And then, anyway, it's a very emotional charge play at the very end of it. 
and these guys are sobbing their hearts out. And that was the best experience for me because the, and then after every night we'd go for a drink in the pub around the corner and these guys came over to us. And this, this one chat was literally like, mate, I've never been to a theater ever. I've not, I've never been to Panto, I've not been to anything, but I heard you talking about this on, I think it's talk sport or whatever, a radio program. And they said, we thought we'd come for a laugh, but I've loved it. And then so be- six, they, uh, like the final week, they turn up with like five of their mates. So they came, <laughs> so they came back and I was like, I hope they cry again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do that every time on yeah. you? <laughs> but it was definitely like, and, but then the experience that you have from acting in stage compared to film, like when you go to bed at night, when you're filming, do you feel as fulfilled as you do on stage or uh, is it a different? It's just a different feeling. Before, two years ago, most of the stuff I've done have, has involved... Um, a lot of music, and that really helps because when you're on stage, you're nervous. Suddenly you're all going into a bit of a song and it kind of bonds you all, it resets your fear on stage. Whereas suddenly when it's just words, you're like, oh God, there's just words. There's a lot of words that I've got to get through tonight. Um, and things like that can happen. Like in the Donmar, one of the actors who was a bit older, bless, just fell asleep on stage. And, and it, but his character's meant to- Did like a comical stick come out from the side? <laughs> he was meant to fall asleep, but then me and this other actress were there and we're waiting for him to, Say something, and it's like, and so she she just kind of talked over it, and eventually, kind of, he woke up at a different point in the script, like, ah, gave his line, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> just what's going to happen, like? But then, but then, like to add on to that as well, when you play with Molotov, yeah, is that a totally different buzz? Because you're in complete control in terms of like, it's your words, it's your music, it's your yeah. But it's kind of scary because in between the songs, it's you. So, right, you know, yes, so there's no, there's no character yeah, or anything like that. Yeah, and when you're acting, you're someone else and you're saying other words and it's fine. So I found that quite hard, um, but it's also very fun because we can, you know, the, I think all of us as a band did develop a bit of a persona just to deal with that. But again, the adrenaline you get from music, it's just a different thing because you're just trying to work together. And also I find doing live music is quite forgiving. You know, like I've heard back some of my recordings, I'm like, wow. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when you go into a studio, it's, it's very, very, you have to fine tune everything. Yeah, but we've yeah. seen you guys a couple of times oh, yeah. and it's like a party. Yeah. So that's what's fun about it, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's chaotic, it's silly, it's colourful. You know, it's, we're trying to be sexy. I don't know if it works, but we are. We're trying to make everyone else feel sexy as well. Hello. It's that bit of the show where we get to hear from you. Now, we've chosen a few questions and did you know facts? So here we go. Okay, so this first one is the Did You Know? And it is from Lily in Argentina. Hola, Lily. Anyway, Lily writes, Did you know that cows produce more milk while they are listening to classical music? That is amazing. Can you imagine walking into a dairy and just hearing classic FN blaring out as loud as it can? Yeah, you, I tell you what though, when we had bonfire night, my, my dog obviously is like most dogs don't really like fireworks going on. And when it feels like the, the Battle of Passchendaele is going on outside, it's you put Classic FM on, they do something called um, along the lines of music for dogs. And it, the dogs love it. Like, honestly, they don't they don't go wild. If you put Classic FM on, they're not going wild. It's nice and relaxing music, providing it's not like a... When you say, when you say it's music for dogs, I thought you meant it was like... I think that's music by dogs. A completely different genre. Anyway, the next one is a voice note from Martina and Julia. Did you know? 
we are Giulia and Martina from Italy. We have some did you know that maybe you could find it interesting. Did you know that in 2001 the Russian space agency was paid more than a million bucks to deliver a six inch pizza to the International Space Station? And did you know that in 2014 NASA created a 3D printer for pizza? Luckily there aren't pineapple and tangerine over there. Please, James, we are talking for all the country. Please stop this pizza madness. Thank you for the good times you give us. We love you. Bye. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! Love it! Love it, Martina, Julia. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> so much for that. Every part of that was absolutely, to quote Italian, bellissimo. It was absolutely brilliant. Could you imagine like going around and around and you're having vacuum food the whole time and you just radio down to uh, Mission Control? Can I get some pizza? Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. We'll just send a send a rocket up now. It may take a couple of weeks. But if it's but I tell you what, if it doesn't if it doesn't arrive in 30 days, your pizza's free, has that? But thank you very much for that. That's that yes. good. I always like a good space fact, although I have to be honest, I do love pineapple on a pizza. James, James, you just had a rec- a request from an entire country to just cease with this whole campaign, this 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 ludicrous campaign about Try doing it. that. Try it. That's just, Give it a it's go just and wrong. see. It's just, it's just absolutely wrong. And so, girls, we completely, or I completely agree with every sentiment that you have given through there. And thank you so much for the lovely, lovely voicemail. Now, the next one is from Nina in Mexico. And Nina says... Did you know there's a community that can clearly see underwater? These people are from a town called Mokan in between Burma and Thailand. Mokan children are able to see underwater while free diving in order to collect clams, sea cucumbers and more. They've actually been found to swim better underwater than European children as their special resolution is almost more than twice as good. So if you're listening from Malkin, please get in touch. That's amazing. Thank you very much for that fact, Nina. Yeah, love that one. We go on now to our questions, and this is a voice note from Jade. Hello, one of my questions is, if there was a film going to be made about your life, who would you want to play you? You can't say yourselves, and you definitely can't say each other. Uh, ooh, who would I want to play me? I've no idea. I've never thought about that, Jade. Um, well, it doesn't have to be real, does it? So I'd have someone who's like an absolute tank. Tom Hopper, there you go. <laughs> who would you have, Oliver? I'd go, I'd go someone who we've had on the show, a good friend of ours, um, slightly different, as you say, it doesn't have to be realistic, uh, but it would be Hayley Joe Osman. Very good. If they, if they were in scenes together, both Tom and Hayley, the whole identical twins aspect may go out the window, but you never know, you never know. Next voice note is from Sal. Hi, Oliver, hi, James. I'm Sal from Malaysia, Apukaba. Hope you're doing good. So, because I speak Malay and English, I've been told that whenever I speak Malay, I seem to be more uptight. And whenever I speak in English, I seem to be more carefree and laid back. So my question is, do you guys speak other languages um, besides English? And if you do, do you think your personality changes according to the language you speak? Hope you have a great day. That's all from me. Thank you. Bye. Selamat tinggal. Sal, thank you for that lovely, lovely message there. So I've got to be honest, I wish I did speak. I, I speak very, very pidgin Spanish, to say it mildly. 
Um, and does it change a bit? I suppose me, I don't know. I probably don't know the language well enough to do that, to be able to speak like that. But in terms of being very carefree with the English thing, do you think that's because obviously Malaysia, probably a lot more Australians go that part of the world when they're speaking. So it's a bit more relaxed. I don't know. It's a, it's a great fact. That's a very good one to have. So language I speak, I speak very bad French, very bad Finnish, and I'm learning Spanish. So that probably be very bad as well. So I'm, I'm assuming that my persona in those languages would be confused and slightly worried because that's I think that's how I sound whenever I ask anything in another language. Mm, mm. Very good one, though. And thank you so much for that one, Sal. Your English sounded absolutely brilliant. Now, we have got the next message from Joanna, who says, if you could live through one adventure, what would it be? Uh, if I could live through one adventure... God, there's so many to do, isn't there? Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's got to be its got to be something you could enjoy as well, you know. Oh, I don't know, because there's, there, there's one which is one of the best adventures of all time. Uh, the story of um, Ernst Shackleton, when his ship got yes. caught and he sailed uh, to... Would you want to, Elef- yeah, would you want to see one do that? No, well, that's it. Well, that's it. That's it. It's an amazing, amazing adventure, but would I want to be part of that? Absolutely no not. No way. Um, I would go either, obviously, going to the moon on any of the Apollo missions, but I'd probably say Apollo 17 because they were there the longest. Or I would go the complete other way and say it would be wicked to have been able to... Um, you know how like the Polynesians used to travel through island to island just going by the mm. stars? And like, that would be epic because they travelled more than any other civilization literally the pacific ocean like that would be so cool to see just different things and and learning all that way like, that's, that's incredible jolly good jolly good well guys thank you so much for all those lovely questions did you knows and voice notes what were sent in now we move on to this week's jingle which is a very special jingle from amadea and james it features us as well bonjour guten tag ni hao Hola! So did you know? No. Well, I did, okay? Oh, Christ. But what a stupid idea! Oliver Phelps. And me, James Phelps. (laughs) I like to think she's got certainly some of our better points in that. I definitely, right I, I, that was very good. That was like a remix, wasn't it? Yeah, with the angelic and the two ukuleles playing in together. Never go wrong with a ukulele. Very good, very good. <laughs> that really made me giggle. That may be my ringtone for this week. Thank you very much for that. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for sending everything in. And guys, keep them coming in as well to the normal email address, which is normalnotnormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's normalnotnormalpodcast at gmail.com. Or tweet us using the hashtags, hashtag normalnotnormal and hashtag did you know. But remember, if you are under 18 and sending us a voice note or a jingle, please, please, please get permission from your parent or guardian first. Anyway, enough from us. Back to the show. This last year when obviously you've been on your boat, mm-hmm. on your houseboat and stuff like that, is that, has that been nice to be just in one place? Yes. And actually, one thing that was amazing is I realised I hadn't really stopped. I hadn't really stopped. I think what's good is, uh, if you're an actor is having something else because, you know, when the acting dries up, I've always had the band, but there's always been stuff yeah. going on. And I realised that 
last year I've been with my bloke this year 13 years and that is the last year was the longest we've ever been together actually hung out because we he's self-employed as well and it's like I mean we've hung out a lot doing music together because he's in the band but I was like we've are we gonna divorce yeah. is this the end of it I don't know yeah. but it was amazing and actually being able to stop was was great but yeah well, how about you guys did you feel that lull did you like that lull I did and I didn't yeah I, initially I did and then after a while, I was like, I'm bored of this. <laughs> I need to, I feel like I need to have a, yeah, get, get something on, get something yeah. on, the goal, on the goal side of it. I was used to a lot more. Like five, ten years ago, I was a lot more, I think especially after the Potters finished. Yeah. There'd be that 2 a.m., can't go to sleep, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, when, yeah. When's the phone going to, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? And then once I stopped, not caring is the wrong word, but once I, I realised that it was out of my control in that regard. Yeah started working so, so it's, being better. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's weird so um well I feel like that weirdly for me my reaction when when the first lockdown happened was it's the first time since I was maybe seven that first lockdown I slept 10 hours a night first time since I was a little girl wow. and it's because that pressure just went it's like yeah. well the whole world's broken so I can I go to sleep I don't know why that was yeah, logical I think to be fair I body. think that made it better because we were supposed to be going away literally like the week after the whole lockdown kicked up we were supposed to be away for like seven weeks or something and because we couldn't do that, I think if we were just told it's off, you're not going, I'd have felt really uh, flat. Yeah. But knowing that, one, it wouldn't be possible even if you could. Yeah. And two, it's not like anyone else is doing it either, spot yeah. or anything like that. That makes it, I suppose, in just terms of acceptance. Yeah, exactly. Way easy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, way easy. But you were also quite busy last year as well. Because, did I do well, you did quite a huge stroll. You, you had a, quite a cool what did I do? walk. Oh, yes, oh, yes, I did. I'm trying, I'm trying to see you wow, up here. Wow, that I'm is really amazing. It. I can believe. So is it the is it the Camino? The Camino. The, Camino de Santiago. Yes, Camino de Santiago. That's it. Um, and there's various ones, so you can do like from the south, which I really want to do because it goes to my village uh, in Spain in the south. So just talk talk us through it from start. So oh, sorry. Yes. So you're doing it for the Orchard Project. Yes, uh, Orchid Project. Orchid Project. And it's uh it's kind of a, a, an amazing charity that's um that's against FGM, because FGM is female... I was going to say, just to clarify what that means. Yes, uh, female genital, it used to be called female genital mutilation, but this, I think now the term has changed, but they've definitely changed it on in their charity to female genital cutting, because, you know, using words that w- we put a cultural value on things, and if you want to go and change something, you're, you're going to offend people, and it's not really going to help the situation, is their approach. Yeah, yeah, well, especially putting it mutilation compared to, um, and then to cutting. yeah. That's it's a, a big, lot more, it's a value it's a lot more obvious you know? in your head as well mm-hmm. as to what it is. But sorry, so you you did it for the Orca product? Yes, and I, I, I they're love they're a lovely team. I discovered them. I discovered them when we were crowdfunding for Molotov, and with Pledge, you can you you know some of the profits can go to a charity. And I was like, well, let's find one. And I just read this book by Ayan Hirsi Ali. I can't remember which one of hers. I've read, I've read quite a few of them. Maybe I'm Infidel or something like. That. She's amazing. Her story is incredible, and I knew FGC existed but it was almost like yeah it happens um and you know occasionally you know after a few drinks of it came up I'd get angry and about it but I wouldn't I hadn't internalized it and then after I read that book I was like I've got to do something I've got to do something and this charity was just starting actually and I just kind of went with them and then suddenly I was like I've got what can I do and I asked them and they were like well you could do this you could do a marathon and I found I found it very hard because I'm like if I'm working loads and I sign up to a marathon and then I get a job that takes me so I was just like what can I do and then last year it was like the perfect opportunity it's like well nothing is happening everyone is unemployed <laughs> there's no chance of anything being made now's the time to do it we start we started in Biritz that usually starts in Irun in Spain and we started it in Biritz and um yeah there's so many routes but I wanted to do the north way because in 2019 I did 
the French way, Camino Frances, uh, just another route, basically. And it's kind of, it's quite a party party route. Yeah, yeah. It's great first time, but I only did nine days, so I only did from Lyon. And I was going through a pretty bad personal uh, uh, time at the time. And I, that really healed me. Like, I get, and I was, I came back and I was like, that's healed me. I need further healing, so I did therapy the first time in my life. Recommend yeah. it if you're going through something that's amazing. And... Um, and I was like, because of that, I was like, oh, maybe doing this, I can help heal this particular problem. And so we, we did, I mean, after doing that party where I was like, ah, you know what, I'm loving getting to a burger and there's everyone just getting hammered and, you know, and I, I love that it's always full and there's, but actually we met these two old boys when we hit Galicia. Like, by the way, as soon as you enter Galicia, it starts raining. It is just like, <laughs> like literally the line. You've had enough fun. <laughs> just like, <laughs> and, um. We met, we met these guys taking a picture by the classic kind of like the big stone thing saying it's Galicia and you're there in the mountains. And these two old boys were like, yeah, you should, if you like this, you should do the North Way, which is, a, you know, apparently technically the hardest. And it's more isolated. There's less albergues, which are like the pilgrim hostels to stay. And, um, and I was set on that. I was like, yeah, I want, I want more beauty and I want harshness and I want more isolated, <laughs> please. Which I suppose, well, because, because it is a pilgrimage, mm-hmm. I suppose the more isolated in terms of a pilgrimage is an isolated thought with, with yeah. God, isn't it? That's the, yeah, the thing to being, it. Mm-hmm. So you, and being central to what you're, what you're doing. So when you're going through those times, as you say, it's a, a more challenging version of it. Yeah. Were there times where you're thinking, right, I'm doing this for this great cause, this, did, or was that always just... A that was really all, that, that was always just a sub, that was always a sub thing that right. was there, especially when I just I just got really moved that it just went up because I think loads of people start donating then I had to cancel it and then I rescheduled and there wasn't you know it wasn't up I was like oh, I'm I'm not going to get this money this was unrealistic what am I doing fuck and then one night I just put up a video and then by the next day it was pretty much 100 percent I was like what well, I had to change it I had to put I had to raise it because I was <laughs> yeah. like what and I remember that morning I'd left this weird monastery that was incredible they made their own beer the monks were so lovely. Uh, in the middle of a, like really high up, like that was a hard that day when I got there. The monk, this is like lead monk. I don't know what they call like the head monk. He'd come out with Steins, like <laughs> no, what? he came out and he saw me, and I was so exhilarated when I got to this. Thing. I was like crying with like exhaustion, and and he gave me this beer, and he was so lovely. And the next, I did a video, and then that next morning, I was like, it was very overwhelming, it was very emotional, um, seeing that it was it was getting through, and people were you know with me on yeah. that journey yeah. basically. Oh, it's week time. Every day it's like, where's Nat today? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how long did it take? So, I mean, I could have done it in 25 days or maybe 24 if I would put my mind to it. But I've got a lot of family in the Basque country. Um, then, oh, yeah, then I got bed bugs one day. So, and, uh, like, and in, they do bite. Oh, no, and they get into all your clothes. <laughs> so when, it, when I got them, I was like, oh, God. Oh God, and obviously the first thing you have to do when you go to the next place to sleep, you have to tell them, you can't just... And I came in, I was like, I think I've been bitten, and I don't know what to do. This. There was this lovely, beautiful old lady, Marta, I think her name was. It was her name day as well. I then bought her chocolates, and she started crying, because she was like, you knew it was my name day. I was like, no, I didn't, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And I got there, and I was like, help me, help me. And she was like, I literally stripped to my pants, and I put everything in the plastic thing, and I went to the room, changed it to that. And she gave me like her son's something to wear, and we boiled everything everything I owned that was fabric yeah uh, so she's amazing little, little heads up to Marta out there if you're listening <laughs> I'm but, sure she is <laughs> that, that was a day or two that I had to stay in and bec- I think because I was pushing myself quite a lot I, I got some shin splints which like it they're hard to get rid of they're well. really hard to get rid of and I honestly didn't think uh, towards the end I was like, I'm not gonna make it and then that because of that my best friend so me and my best friend have different rhythms and I'm much faster but she would catch up with me sometimes I'd do self tapes so this is one of the worst <laughs> I'm like 
Were you hoping they were filming the wild again or something like yeah, the wild? Yeah, no, because you have to be very specific. So I was like, we can't sit in the permanent hostels because obviously they're, they're a bit like bunk, you know, like kind of prisony, army beddy places. So I'd like have, I'd book like a cheapish, you know, hostel or hotel. And I'd be ringing up, going, "Do you have a white wall? I need a white wall with nothing around it." And so my friend would catch me up, and we'd be doing these self tapes in hotel. I didn't get any of the jobs. No. I mean, none of the jobs. <laughs> Anyway, one of them, we were in Lugo and we had the whole afternoon off. I was like, oh, we've done the self-tape early. Everything's great. We went out for a few drinks. And I think it was, it was a Galician um, bank holiday. Because, and I was like, why is everyone partying on the street? There was literally whole brass bands playing like Eastern European gypsy music on the street. And after a few drinks, my shin splints in my head had gone. I wasn't thinking logically. And I danced for four hours. And I went to bed and I woke up and they were gone. And I was like... Because as I went to bed, I was like, oh, God, what have I done? I've been so irresponsible. Like, I should have been using this day to rest. Mm. No, no, went out drunk dancing, basically, on the street. And it, it healed in the night. So I don't know what the, what the dancing did That's to me, funny. but yeah. it healed me. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So we spoke to Alfie Enoch, actually, the other oh, day. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Because he, he did it. He's amazing. He's done the... He's done Which the, way did he do? Do you know? He went from... He went through... He started in France. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if he did the... The He's French way the or the North. Yeah, I'm not too sure which one. But he, he definitely did all through, obviously, the Basque country and yeah, around yeah. there. But he was saying what an amazing, it's amazing just, time it was. And it's also the people you meet. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting because people are doing it. Obviously, some, a lot of people, for religious reasons, see a beautiful country and enjoy it. And also, just people trying to heal. So, like... It's just the, the conversations you have in the evenings, you know, they're not normal conversations. These are people that maybe are dealing with a child dying or a loved one dying or, you know, having cancer. And like, and it's, it's yeah, the small talks and not a small talk. There's fun and openness, you yeah. know, that you don't usually get in normal conversations. Yeah, brilliant. How would you describe, like, what normal means to you? I just, I don't believe in normal. I've never really believed in it. Yeah. I think... You know, I mean, everyone's got some level of mental illness. Everyone, I firmly believe this. Yeah. To and it can it can it can escalate or de-escalate different points in life depending on what you're going through. And um, everyone's got a quirk. I think as an actor, you kind of you learn to see that, that every every character is has something, and that's that's what I mean. I suppose in the science, I want to get this right. Scientific terminology, it's like the most amount of people that do a specific thing. Yeah. Is that what normal yeah. would mean? Yeah. But um, I don't. I just don't really buy it. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you guys? Well, this is this is what we how we how we basically came onto the topic of it of uh, of normal not being a normal thing. Like, there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. And I think when you try and personally, I think that when you try and set yourself as oh, but it's not the normal way of doing things. Yes. What are you comparing it to? Yeah. You know, and is mm-hmm. that person going through the same stuff you're going through? No. Because yeah. no one's no one is identical. No matter, like they could look similar like we do, but mm-hmm. no one's identical. No, no. And that's the that's kind of where we we thought about this topic of it anyway. Really, yeah. like how how it got to 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 it. But but also, I think sometimes feeling not normal can be very isolating. And actually, recently I've been listening to so many. There's so many amazing podcasts out there, including yours. But um, <laughs> but it, there, there's ways that you can feel non-lonely and non-abnormal because there's something for everyone. Like you know, maybe your group of friends does X. Or doesn't do X, or I don't know. Maybe your group of friends is—they're all atheists, and you're—you secretly believe in God when you feel a bit out of place with them. <laughs> there's other yeah. people, or, or vice versa. You know, there's a lot of yeah. people that are in religious communities that are scared of leaving them because they will break off everything that they know and love. You know, yeah. doing that, and then you just go, "Oh, okay, I'm going to type in this," and suddenly it's like, "Oh, look, it's fine. I'm in this context. I'm normal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah, fine. Yeah. You yeah. can switch around. You know." I kind of 
takes away what my next question was going to be. Oh, okay. Ooh. What's the most normal thing about you? If normal now doesn't exist. Normal. <laughs> if normal the did exist, normal. what would be the most normal thing that you do or... I, I breathe. We all breathe, um, aren't yep, we? Yep. These are very, these are very commonality things, if we're going on the basis of what a normal means. Yeah. <laughs> My hair grow? I don't know. Uh, no, some people's hair doesn't grow. I don't know. Yeah, I think that would be it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, just, I think just the way you came in today was very, if I describe anyone, would be very nat. What, what, uh, walking? I walked. Well, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no like, like, yeah, how you came in with like your wicked trousers or your wicked tights on, you <laughs> walking with um, mimosa as well, you know. It's just like not being, I think not being worried about anything else is yeah. is a perception you give oh, off, I think, in this, type of, in this type of no, environment. No, I tend anyway. to really not, not be affected too much by other people's opinion of me because it's like, uh, there's so, so many people are going to think I'm an idiot. I stopped thinking about that even when I was a teenager. Like by, even weirdly, I think hormones did the opposite thing to me. It's like, I just don't care. I wasn't really, I never got that peer pressure or fear of being cool because I assumed I wasn't. So yeah. you can really go up from that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and is that, is, that, is that where the music thing came in then, would you say? Yeah, I mean, music for me was, after that thing with my mum, I told the kids, I, like, I then begged my mum to play piano for a year. Because, you know, kids are fickle. They're like, I want to be a fireman, whatever. Fire yeah. um, person, I might I should say. Um, and, uh, and after a year, my mum was like, okay, okay, it's, oh, it's a little... Monsters serious about this, and then I started playing the piano at five. So that was that was. I, I thought I was going to do music over acting. If I was going to do anything artistic, I thought it was going to be that. That kind of felt. But I mean, I mean, music definitely takes on a bigger role in your life when you're like, look, I'm a teenager. I've got. <laughs> I do not look as hot as all of them, but I might get laid if I can sing and play well. <laughs> Like, that is definitely an element of, like, you know, I love music. I was obsessed with it. I was doing all the grades, and I was like, now I'm going to start writing my own song. Someone listen to I Fancy You. Woo! You know. I often, I often think if, I, if, you know, people say if you could go back to your younger self and say something. Yeah. I would go back to my 11-year-old self when I, was, I used to play classic Spanish guitar. And I would go back to that, that 11-year-old self and say, don't give up this. Don't. Because girls and, yeah. <laughs> like, attract people yeah, yeah, who yeah. play music. So that would be my... Yeah. And other things, obviously. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest, people are wooed by a quality guitar player yeah, or helps. musician in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was always that kind of, I was like, okay, I've got this covered. It's going to be fine. One day someone will fancy me. It's fine. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> so what, how, would you, how would you say then, if there's people judging things by normality mm. on their mind, what would you say is your not normal, is your like weirdness, your least normal stuff? That, that I do? That, yeah, that you do or um, anything like that. Well, I mean, a lot of people do do this, but I sleepwalk. Yeah, but you um, live on a boat. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's weird. it never happens when I'm on the boat. <laughs> right. it, the things that trigger it are jet lag, stress, and tequila. Specifically, I mean, it can be quite any other kind of big spirit, but it's usually tequila that can... Te which means that every time pretty much I go to LA, something like that happens. Yeah. And it's pretty... It happened when I was in New York, actually. When we went with the Harry Potter thing, yes, I slept bought that night. Was this when you thought you were a, a cat? Uh, no, I thought it was a crow. A crow, sorry. Yeah, and yeah. I, I weed on the um, <laughs> I on a very. No, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> like it's something that has happened, and I have to own it, because I find that shame. <laughs> you feel shame when you don't feel you can own it, and it's like you know what? It's completely fine. Yeah, but I remember you coming down to the bar the next day. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> it was so bad, and like. I, like I woke up, I woke up just falling, like falling, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And the worst is, I've got to say this. No, I no, don't. I know what you're going to say. Let's end it there. I'm going to save you there. It gets worse. It does get worse. But yes, that was very not normal. I'd say that's quite. Do you, do you, does your your other half 
have a way of stopping you? Um, he, he, weirdly, he hasn't seen it that often. Again, it's like when I'm feeling alone, it's, it happens a lot in hotel rooms. It happens a lot or when I'm filming away. Uh, when I was in LA, because I was there for, actually, I, I'm quite amazed it happened when I was in LA shooting Wisdom of the Crab because I was there for six months. I had my place. It was my stuff that I'd bought. Like you'd think right now, I think that it's fine. And, uh, you know, the scary, it's just so scary when I wake up and I'm like, the light, if the lights are on, I'm like, that's it. That's it. Uh, I, what's happened? Like, just like, and it's, it's a bit scary. I once worked with, uh, doing a film in Italy and I woke up and again, the lights were all on and the door was open. I was like, everything is fine. Everything's fine. Maybe I just wandered around in my room a bit. And an actor said <laughs> that he'd been up all night because he'd been really scared because someone kept knocking at his door. And, and then that night I couldn't sleep because I, I sleep naked anyway. And I was imagining me <laughs> like in a dark corridor with my hair, kind of like the ring. That's good. That's it. Just yeah. knocking. Yeah. And I was like, I'm terrified of going to sleep because of myself. Like, I don't know. Turn the with... TV off. Yeah. Hide it away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was, I think that's a bit of a weird thing I, I tend to do. Now I've started, which I don't know why I never did this before. I've started locking fully the hotel door. Yeah, yeah. that may be a good. That's a goodbye. Scratching on people's <laughs> yeah. doors in the, in the middle of the night. But for me, what's scary is if there's a balcony. So my, my LA place had a balcony. And I was like, I was just like, oh God. So I started like, I was like, but will I have memory when I'm asleep? So will I be able to find the key and just open the, like, so I, yeah. Hope you're not a crow then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> if you no. ever see us in a bar, come and ask us yeah, about yeah, the we'll story. Yeah, yeah, we'll tell you the whole story. <laughs> I did actually, I just want to make this clear, I actually sent these to Nat earlier yesterday. Yes. What is your favourite book? That one's easy. Um, Isabel Allende, House of the Spirits. And it's the only book I've got in my house that I've got both in Spanish and English because cause I wasn't, I, because I went to school in England. Like, yeah, I'm Spanish and yeah, I can read it, but it, I find it harder. Like when I've had to learn scripts in Spanish, it, it's just harder to learn, memorise, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm quite lazy with it and I should be better. But I love it in both, in both languages. Obviously in the Spanish one, it's just, for me, it's more beautiful. But it's a wonderful book and she's amazing. And they made, I think they made a film that would look pretty bad. I've seen the, the poster for it. Uh, but uh, years ago now, but that one, definitely. Uh, what is your favourite food? To make or to eat? Both. Well, no, you can have, I mean, two options. Oh. If you were making some and then the next day you were going to go out and have something, then... Okay, so I, lo I love, I love making lasagna because it's a very long process. I take ages and I make sure it takes ages because it's a long, laborious thing. I've got a thing where I'm really lucky with my partner because he loves chopping. Like, I love chopping stuff as well, yeah. but he loves it because it's like almost like I want to get as thin. He loves his knives and all that stuff. Yeah. So he does all the chopping and I'm doing, always doing the stirring. With, with lasagna, it's like you, you, you really, you stir for three hours slowly, getting that reduced. And I love it, like pouring a bit of wine in there, drinking some wine, watching like, <laughs> and I sit there on the side, the dog's like there and I'm there, the cat just staring at me like, what are you doing? And like trying to get the, get the spoon. What is your favourite movie? <laughs> okay, I'm going to say this just because this Sunday, I, I rewatched this. I, all of last year in lockdown, I did a, I did a podcast called um, Films to be Buried With and I was trying to find, because it's, you know, asking different, you know, where, where you like different films from what different reasons. And I was trying to, trying to rewatch it and I couldn't find it anywhere. Strictly ballroom. And on Sunday, I sat in the bath sharing a bottle of white wine with my fella watching it again and it's just, I love this film. It's full, for me, it's got everything in it. It's got glory, like music. Yeah. Um, the, just the, the costumes, I'm like, I really want, I want Fran's dress. Oh my God, I love her dress in it. It's, she's, it's got everything. It's got a bit of everything for me. 
Uh, what is your favourite song? Again, I wouldn't say it's my favourite. It's just so hard to say favourite. But, you know, Platoon. Yeah. My dad was in Special Forces. So when I was growing up, that, we, that was what he watched. It was a lot of army stuff and I loved it as well. And I watched Platoon far too young and I got that soundtrack. And it's the one that's, um, it's the Tracks of My Tears. Is that Smokey Robinson? Do, 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 that one. Tracks of My Tears. I just, I think if I was, I had a few minutes to live, I'd want to re-listen to that one more time. What is your favourite quote? I forgot to think about this one. It could be... Uh, we're all going to die. That is not, is that not a good one? That's not good. It's, that's if you're saying that sleepwalking, knocking <laughs> on someone's door. <laughs> Three, yeah. No, you know, kind of, but in a positive way, like we're all going to die. No, you can't really say, but what I mean is that, I, I don't know, I think about, that's a phrase I think about a lot in my life. And that helps me put things into perspective a lot. Like, you're going to die one day. You're going to die. So it kind of, it helps me, I think, emotionally. Yeah, sometimes to do something or if I'm scared of doing something, like, you know, this play when I was saying I was going to get a flight to Colombia and it's like, doesn't matter. doesn't matter, you're going to die. So you need to, if, if, if this, you know, doing this play or doing this gig scares you, like, how are you going to actually function when you have to deal with death? Mm. So you've got to get over it. And so it kind of just, it's basically trying to, it's like my mantra trying to make myself brave, I would say, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't sound good, like, does it? <laughs> we'll we'll put, like, a smiley yeah. face emoji or something yeah. inside of it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's, that's the take we'll use. That's the bit we'll yeah, use. please. <laughs> Wicked. Well, Nat, thank you very much for joining <laughs> us. I can see that Mimosa's been very uh, well-behaved as well. She yeah. seems the most chilled-out dog. Yes, yeah, because we've just walked for two hours, so she's like, I'm oh, okay. done now. Yeah. <laughs> take me home. <laughs> Thanks yeah. so much, Nat. Thank yeah. you, Cheers, Thank you. I really, really enjoyed being able to actually sit in a room and converse like that. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Very much so. I, like, we had such a great time chatting with Nat and we had a good good natter as well once the cameras had stopped rolling and uh, Mimosa was ready for another stroll. But yeah, great, great to hang out with her again and really, really enjoyed it. And I hope everybody too got to learn some more stuff about Nat. Uh, and we just want to say, obviously, because Nat did the Camino de Santiago for the Orchid Project, um, if you've been affected by anything of the issues raised today, um, just let you know that we're sending nothing but our best to you. And obviously check out um, charities like the Orchid Project as well to see what they can offer. Definitely. It was just great to be out speak to people. So hopefully we can maybe one day do another one to a, a live audience. Maybe, maybe. The next season, uh, maybe we can do a live show. Let's bring it on to the Did You Knows. So like Nat was talking about, she did the Camino de Santiago. I think I yes. pronounced that correctly. So people of Spanish-speaking countries will know that Camino is a Spanish word translates to path. So the phrase Camino de Santiago, that means path to Santiago. However... The roots are also known as the Way of St. James because that is where St. James is said to be buried at the end of it. There you go. But Nat also, so one of the reasons that we did our talk where we did it was because Nat actually lives on a canal boat. So did you know in England we have a phrase, if you need to go somewhere quickly, you need to put your foot down, as I say, you need to hurry up, you're told to leg it. The phrase comes from, as a canal boat used to go underneath a bridge, there wasn't that much gap in between the boat and the top of the bridge. People would lie on the top of their boat and use their legs to kick themselves and the boat through the tunnel. Hence where the phrase leg it comes from. 
Guys, thank you very much for joining us this week on this kind of special episode of Normal Not Normal. We were able to send it with Nat. So Nat, thank you very much for you and Mimosa coming to join us and have a good little natter. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And equally, I hope everybody listening enjoyed it as much as we did. Exactly. Guys, we will see you very, very soon. Thanks for joining us. All the best. Bye. Normal Not Normal is a stable production.